This is Abrupt Future, the podcast on the future of work that happened faster than we thought. Each week, we feature conversations with experts in leadership, management, human resources, culture, and technology to help you succeed in this new normal. This is your host, Benoit Ardivalle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Abroad Future, the podcast on the future of work that happened faster than we thought. I'm very pleased this week to be speaking with Ivo Chapar, remote work advocate and CEO at Remote How. Ivo, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me. Greetings from Vietnam. Yes, indeed. So Vietnam, and you also have roots in uh, the States and Poland, from what I understand. So certainly a, a global citizen by now. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. The whole story of Remote House started in the US, but uh, uh, together with my wife, we are originally from Poland. And then throughout the last three years, we lived and then traveled throughout uh, 14 countries. So uh, yeah, I've been working remotely from different places, helping companies uh, go remote or go hybrid all over the world. So the place doesn't matter to us. Yeah. I, I guess it, you know, prepared you for the pandemic somehow, not that you can be fully prepared, but some aspect of it certainly helped, I guess. Yes, yes, absolutely. The first time I um, I came across the, the concept of not working in the office, it was 2011. So really, really long time ago. Uh, mm -hmm. And and uh, that was the time when when I started some some freelance uh, freelance jobs, and then after a couple of years, uh, getting back to normal office and 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 then traveling, and then when we moved to US in in 2017, we noticed that. There is something big coming up, like a big shift, uh, because on one side, among uh, younger generation uh, employees, there was this growing need for freedom of choice, where you work, how you live, and then also the shift towards more experience over possession. So people prefer to experience something, meaning like go somewhere nice rather than buy a new car. Uh, and then on the other side, what was a pain in my daily life as, as a manager was to really hard to find employees. Uh, we lived in Austin, it was a tech market, but it was still too hard to find people. So the remote how concept came up from the basically idea of that we can meet expectations of employees where they can be productive and happy whenever they are. But in order to do that, we need companies uh, that will be open to remote work, to hybrid work. And the, the first obstacle, and, and that's why how we how we got into the, the education space was that there was no mindset when it comes to remote, but also if the mindset was there, there was complete lack of uh, knowledge, how to do it right to succeed. And yeah, that was uh, three and a half years ago. And fast forward today, we, we helped over 400 companies all over the world, large enterprises uh, like PwC, Walmart, ING, OLX Group become remote first. And uh, that's, just a, that's just the start of the big revolution. And I'd be curious, you know, if we rewind a little bit and we go to that period pre-pandemic before you started yep. remote how the technology was already there right i mean we all had webcams on our camera we all uh, on our laptops we all had microphones cell phones and slack channels and microsoft teams and zoom and all that everything was already there from a technology perspective so that can be the excuse 20 years ago 30 years ago maybe 
But 10 years ago, that couldn't be the, 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 the reason, right? I don't want to be judgmental, the reason. Yeah. Why do you think it was still hard to have fully remote work? Was that just a critical mass effect? Was this the culture? I know you talked about mindset. Is this an issue of trust? What's your take on, on why did it take a global pandemic for people to realize that most of the job can be done at least partly remotely? Mm -hmm. So there are many angles how you can uh, approach this, uh, this answer. The, the, the holistic view is that people are afraid of change. And that is also connected to how we work. And then if you're pursuing such a big change, because this is like humongous change in how the, uh, that your organization or, or a team operates, then people are afraid of this change. So this is kind of like this, this big picture. And then if you go more in depth, a couple of uh, different areas. So the first one, the, the one that you actually mentioned, trust. So <laughs> of course, generalizing there, uh, there is a big, and it still exists, uh, issue of uh, not trusting uh, your own employees and it goes with managers with owners of companies so in general we as humans have some issues on that front it's it's better in some countries <laughs> but overall uh, there isn't this interesting study by oracle where 64 of people trust more robots than their managers right uh, wow. and and that goes uh, goes by ver vice versa so that was a, that was a big one and that was connected actually to this view that the leadership has that work won't be done outside of the office uh, that people will be watching Netflix, playing PlayStation. Basically, people will be only working if others are uh, watching them, right? So this concept, of course, is gone after the 12 months of this uh, large experiment that happened uh, all over the world. Work can be done. Of course, there are not always optimal circumstances for that. And companies, and this is one of the main takeaways that our listeners should take, that the work that was happening the same way in the office cannot be replicated in, in a virtual setup, right? So the work was done throughout the last 12 months, but it was far from optimal and a lot of stuff needs to be changed. And I believe we'll, we'll get into this later on. And then, of course, going even more in depth when you're looking at the reasons why companies were not doing this, This is because they were not optimal in general how they operated. Because if you look at the issue, for example, of trust that is then connected to the fact that managers suspected that people won't be working, it's because that they are simply bad managers. And there's a lot of micromanagement. There's a lot of ad hoc management. There are multiple issues with the overworking, etc. So if you basically look at the shift that happened and how we can benefit from this, it's optimizing the way how companies operate and optimizing how we as employees are part of this day-to-day -day life. So yeah, there were there were different reasons for different companies and also in some countries it, it was also related to the culture. But then, hey, March 2020, that was the only option. And Out of nowhere, these companies found a way to make a rapid transition that is actually now uh, becoming something that will be strategic and long-term, especially if we are looking at companies going uh, hybrid. Um, so yeah, it, it would have probably taken another five, 10 years or, or maybe uh, even longer if you're looking at that at such scale. And you talk about companies being not optimal 
Can you expand on that? I'm curious to see what's your yeah. perspective there. Yes. So the biggest one that we see in, in our studies, like the remote managers report that we published uh, last year, but, but studies all over the place, uh, the biggest one is communication. Remote work or like in general, if you're working in a distributed fashion, that requires a complete change how you communicate. And then that goes both the communication with your team that has written as well as the meetings and Everyone last year and also also this year is, is really sick of being on a, on a Zoom or like Hangouts or, or Teams for most of the day. But this is not how distributed teams were working prior to pandemic. And this is the perfect example to what I mentioned earlier, that this is a typical copy-paste behavior from the office where there were a lot of meetings, many of these meetings could have been an email uh, or could have been a note in the intranet. Meetings were not well prepared. Speaking about the basics, right? Okay, we are organizing a meeting, but why? Uh, what are our goals? What is the agenda? What are the roles of people taking uh, a part in this meeting? So really like basics that are not related to, to remote work. It's just that, that the good practices, how you should be working and how the work should be managed, right? So this is one aspect when, when, when looking at the communication. And then, of course, there is a huge one that will take really long time for companies to adjust is a asynchronous communication, which basically means that companies should shift to ways of communicating that are not uh, forcing people to respond immediately. And example uh, is, for example, a message on the messenger that the company is using. You're posting this in an open channel and there is a policy how fast you should be responding to different messages. And of course, we can go really in depth into the asynchronous uh, communication, but the impacts, if the communication becomes more and more asynchronous, more and more writing is happening, the communication is more and more transparent. So we are not just sending uh, messages to, to each other one-on-one or emails to each other, but there's like a repository. It really helps company to become more transparent. People are more thinking what they really want to say and if this is urgent or not, who should be aware of this project or this update. So we are really becoming more cautious about the day-to-day work. And those are just two examples from one of the many areas. And maybe another one that is worth mentioning, for many years, HR leaders were really doing their best to help leaders truly become mentors and and leaders and not micromanagers. And unfortunately, because there is always a deadline, there's always a project that is super urgent. These training initiatives were often pushed back. It didn't have the priority. And that fires back right now because basically majority of leaders are not prepared to actually lead in the virtual environment. So there will be a lot of work that would need to be done. And again, a lot of the stuff that needs to change is coming back to the basic principles of management. And the other angle when we are looking at leaders, but more holistically at the, the company level is the culture. So that would be my third and last, I promise, <laughs> uh, last aspect no, no, when, when no we are worry. looking... <laughs> when we were looking at, at the challenges is that oftentimes companies had these amazing values uh, on their career pages, how awesome they are and what they believe in and how the work look like and the atmosphere, etc. And then the reality was completely different. And the virtual 
environment. It, it's basically coming a moment when you're doing a check uh, and you're verifying the expectations versus reality. So a lot of companies would also need to work really hard on their real culture and where they would like to take it. So it, it will be a very interesting uh, transformation journey. And I found that the one that it's that tend to be missing the most in global cooperation is asynchronous communication, right? Just based on my experience and what I've seen in client, because people get the idea of working remotely, but does every communication need a um, response right away? Does every interaction needs to be a live meeting? it kind of defeat the purpose if working remotely basically asks you all the time to be in the same time zone. And there's some business where it does make sense, right? But let's say if you're not customer facing, well, there has to be better ways of managing the work so that you don't need to be live, right? People can do the, the work yeah. on their own time and be accountable. But yet this idea that, you know, there are business hour, office hours, you need to work during those hours. I mean, l like you said, it, it sounds like it's a copy and paste of the office life into the remote life. And, and that doesn't transition well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, you mentioned that the, the, the client facing um, might be might be a challenge. Um, just looking at my example, where our team is spread across different time zones. But the craziest part is that while I'm right now in Asia, uh, majority of our clients are in the US and I still need to talk with them somehow, right? Um, so for example, what also a lot of uh, people that are, are in part of the remote work community for longer and if they need to deal with, with different time zones is there, there are basically two things. So first of all, if, if someone is, is requesting a meeting with you, then really these meetings are super well prepared in advance. And sometimes the preparation means that the meeting is not needed because you're creating a document, you're discussing everything asynchronously. Then as a part of this basically asynchronous meeting, you can also leverage tools such as, for example, Loom, where you can record mm -hmm. short videos straight from your browser. Then anyone can watch this video at their own free time and then respond with the video. So, of course, at some point you need to interact and that's why I'm waking up at like 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m. and having calls with, with U.S. When, when they're ending their day or at the end of my day. But there is a lot of stuff that can be optimized even in this not ideal time zone setup. This is, of course, a very unusual thing. But even for listeners, like even starting from today or tomorrow, if someone is asking you, hey, let's, let's have a meeting, really push back on all meetings that are not well thought and not well prepared. Be super kind, be super nice. But if organizations won't have these like kind of um, internal ambassadors that are making sure that the best practices that you can learn are really implemented and, and they are starting to be really embedded on a day-to-day -day basis, then it will be hard. And then at some point, someone might say, hey, this remote work thing doesn't work. No, it works. You just did it wrong. Yeah.
Yeah, yeah, because we, there are a lot of remote first or fully remote organization that are living proof that you can completely operate this way, right? Oh, it's yeah, just- 100%. And, and like some of them are like thousands of employees. They are worth like uh, examples, Automatic, GitLab, both of these mm-hmm. companies are worth over $2 billion. So you can build a successful business. It, it just takes time to, uh, to shift gears and, and be remote first. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, Remote How, right? I mean, it's it's being branded as the world-leading platform for remote professionals. What are the key service offerings or what kind of problem are you solving? Yes. So um, as of today, we are connecting companies with world's top remote and hybrid work experts. So we are a marketplace whenever you have a consulting or advisory need when it comes to transforming your organization or addressing certain challenge uh, around uh, remote or, or hybrid work. We are here to give you access to people that are doing this at uh, companies, like I mentioned, Automatic, GitLab, Envision, Buffer, Dewey. So all the companies that you can read everywhere uh, that were uh, remote or, or hybrid pioneers. We are a place where, where these experts are. But this is what we are today. For the last three years, we've been mainly focusing on education. So we launched the world's first uh, education and certification program on remote work, Remote Hub Academy, when many of these experts were our instructors and And they built uh, programs together with us for managers, for HR, for individual contributors. We were also up until pandemic that the organizers of the largest virtual conference about remote work, Remote Future Summit. This year, there will be a fourth edition. And in general, we are organizing a lot of initiatives around the thought leadership reports, analysis, uh, global work from home day, because before pandemic, it was a lot about educating the market and, and being the advocate for this work style. So that's what, what we've been doing for yeah quite some time now. And I'm guessing since March 2020, you probably get either more busy or busy in a different way. Was there any specific requirement or new type of request? Did you find that client were asking something different or did you see more client coming with the same kind of problems? Yeah, so um, so the biggest change was that before pandemic, we were mainly working with companies that were already somehow remote, but like remote work wasn't new to them, right? So they were looking at us as an as an upskilling uh, upskilling partner. Then mm-hmm. because of pandemic and because there were so many companies that never did it or they did it, but it was just very random and it was this home office because someone is coming to fix your pipe uh, kind of a thing. So we really needed to go back to basics. So that's why also as a response to pandemic, we, we opened a part of our academy for free. So we launched uh, free programs for example. And then as we were moving forward, we learned that basically companies have totally different needs, totally different stages where they are, what they did and and what are their needs. And that's why end of last year, we decided that consulting, what we were always trying to to avoid is is necessary because we we are just not able to to serve everyone with remote hub academy because uh, people people coming to uh, people are coming to us with really different needs so so that's why the marketplace basically the the, the single place where 
whatever need you have, there will be an expert that will be able to help you. It's the best way for the market so anyone can find uh, the best uh, solution for them. When it comes to what we noticed, and this will be obvious, but I will say that hybrid right now is something that most companies will embrace. What's interesting about hybrid remote is that that was the solution that no one was advising prior to pandemic because it's simply harder. Mm-hmm. It's way harder than having everyone equal and distributed rather than needed to juggle between office and remote and, and what are the rules, etc. Right. So we are actually just entering the, the phase two where companies will be will be figuring this out. Some companies will try to roll back the, the old old way of working and getting everyone to the office. This is not going to happen. And and these companies need to be prepared for a huge backlash from, from employees. And we can see it in, um, in, in service and remote work audits that we did for, for many companies. There is a huge need for, for freedom. It doesn't mean that everyone would like to be remote 100%. It, it really varies. There are, there are people that would like to be five times remote, but there are people that would like to be two, two days remote, right, in, in a week. So companies will need to, to, to really find, uh, find a way to make all of them happy. And it, it will be a very tough exercise if the company won't have an owner of, uh, of such transition and if company won't have the leadership team that will be able to support it along the way. Because like you said um, earlier, the tools are there. So you don't need to worry about the, uh, this part. But then you need to worry about the, the human capital that will be involved in, in making this work. Because I'm also thinking about the variety of remote or hybrid, right? Because you could, you could think of a hybrid workforce, meaning... We have people that goes in the office in a certain place, and then we have our completely remote people who live different time zone and they live far away and they are not near an office. So, you know, you can't bring them physically face to face. And then you have the hybrid people who live in the same city, those who prefer to work from home, those who prefer to work in the office, and those who would choose a mix of uh, two days, three days uh, in each place. And, and to me, it will always boils down to, to a simple question. How are we going to handle meeting? Because if we still have lots of live meeting, I can see the pain of being in the conference room, trying to set up the call with people in the room and people who are dialing in remotely. And, you know, the whole, can you speak closer to the mic, please? Mm-hmm. Because like you said, at least when everybody is remote, well, everybody is remote. Everybody has one laptop and it's, it's one single place. And as much as people complain about Zoom, it has, it puts everyone on the same level. But when you try to manage that nightmare of conference room or, again, you know, the other question, if I'm in an office, do I need to go in the conference room if I can take the call from my working station, right? Because that's another office experience. Yeah, here solution is, uh, is, is, is fairly simple. Um, you're going with the remote first rule, which means that everyone is remote on this meeting. So it doesn't matter if there are a p- couple of people in the office, um, everyone should dial in from, from their own laptop. So then we are creating an equal playground um, for everyone that is uh, participating in this, uh, in this meeting. 
So that was a simple one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know exactly, right? I mean, it's simple if everybody get that and do that, right? But my fear, yeah, of course, yeah, will be yeah. the old, you know, uh, the old reflex. Okay, everybody in the conference room, right? Like, like in the yeah, office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why that, that's why what I what I mentioned before. Like, this is a change management process, and yeah. it won't happen just over the night. So, first of all, you need to clarify what are the Uh, best practices, policies, expected behaviors. And this is what companies will spend the next months or like even up to 12 months, because this is like a really a lot of stuff that needs to be, be defined and depending on, on the size of the organization. But then once this is defined and this will be redefined and redefined and redefined as, as you go, right? So we'll have version one, two, three, four, and, and like many more. Then the other key aspect is that it will be really implemented and, and people will make sure that these behaviors will will thrive and there will be basically like ambassadors of good practices and somewhere on your website i saw this idea of the head of remote mm -hmm. i found the idea brilliant but can you explain a little bit what it is and and have you seen current real examples of people with this title in this role? Yes, sure. Just the first example of the bad, uh, Facebook hired um, such person earlier this year. Quora announced it. Uh, so more and more companies are basically hiring a person that is responsible for operations around remote, hybrid, distributed, whatever you, you want to call it. Because if you look at the complexity of the change that it touches so many aspects and during today's interview we just touched uh, some of them but then one like i mentioned the uh, the key long-term key to the success is the ownership of the change and, and such person is basically becoming such owner and is then coordinating with different departments where you have both HR involved, you have operations involved, you have legal involved, uh, you have learning and development involved, etc. And then you have different team leads that have different specifics of, uh, of their work, like marketing works differently than, uh, than IT, etc. Et so the larger company, the bigger need for someone dedicated to, uh, to do it. Uh, and of course, you can be like, oh, yeah, we'll have a project manager that will do it. But then the key is that this, this person is not just managing, but this person is also a subject matter expert that is coming in with a certain knowledge and then is working on, uh, on tweaking and, and optimizing these processes accordingly to the to specifics of the company. So we would see more and more people like this. There are really few people in the world <laughs> if you look at that. So the supply doesn't meet the demand. Yeah. Oh, the other way around um but uh, that 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 won't uh, that that will be that will be very interesting typically we we see that either for like fast growing startups like 200 300 people and and such such person is needed and then everything above for example for enterprises where this becomes even more complex such position is is also crucial even if we are talking about hybrid so the head of remote is just uh, one of the different titles that uh, that it can get yeah it's somebody who brings together all the different yeah. aspect challenge and opportunities of, of working in this uh, non-traditional or, or new way of working correct what is it that leaders don't think about or the biggest blind spot in those transformation, right? What What's your message for leaders who need to think about that next stage who are 
starting to plan the end of the pandemics, thinking about that hybrid world. Again, you've been in many uh, client organizations, many cases. Have you seen something that people tend to neglect or not think about? <laughs> so I think um, it, it really boils down at the end to how we create the work environment as humans. Uh, because oftentimes before pandemic, a lot of people had this, this thing on, on Sunday when they're like, oh, it's Monday again. I need to go back to work and there will be this and that. And a lot of uh, negative connotations were, were coming with this. So right now we have this unique opportunity where we are changing a lot of organizational stuff, right? Like operational. But we cannot forget that this is this is a moment when we can really work on if I'm looking from the perspective of the leader, I'm not here to be a task manager and, and, and checker. I'm here really to lead people, to mentor them, to inspire them, but I'm also here to make them happy. It's not just about being productive and delivering goals. We are spending so much time at work that we should create places where, where people enjoy spending time. And if you look at companies that were distributed before pandemic, majority of them were super high retention rates uh, compared to uh, compared to the rest of the market. These companies really cared and many of them had it in their values, but really in their reality that they looked at people first and then it was, of course, a business, so you need to keep the, keep the business running and growing if this is your goal. So I would really look at redefining how we want to build companies. <laughs> that's, I know that's very, very high level, but because this is such a disruption, it's an yeah. amazing opportunity for us to, to fix all the stuff that, that was bad and simply make people happier. Yeah, and I want to highlight again your point about the high retention of those companies who were already uh, remote or hybrid or, or distributed because it's it, it's a fact, right? And I spoke with a couple of people from different organizations, whether it's it's uh, Buffer or Doist. They spend a lot of time thinking about the culture, about the collaboration, the communication, well-being of employees as well as their product right it's not like they're neglecting mm -hmm. the business the sales and the kpis but i think there's an expectation in today's world that your leader should be able to achieve your financial or operational kpi but also your human ones am i keeping my people and those that i keep you know is it by fear or because they they like to do the work that they do every day, so I think it's a it's a good lesson right there. So it's not it's not general. I think it's a it's a, it's a very pointed and important fact. <laughs> I'm glad that you supported vision. I hope that our <laughs> listeners <laughs> will do the same. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and and that was also one of the motivation for this podcast. I firmly believe that a lot of good can happen if most of the job that can be done remotely are actually done remotely or that at least we give people the option and they don't feel pressure to commute for a long time, wreaks their yeah. health in, in cars and public transportation or having to pay a fortune to afford an apartment or a mortgage to be closer to the job. Like I, I think the generation before us sacrificed a lot of their health and wealth mm -hmm 
just because of the expectation to be face to face in the office. And I think our generation, and you know, technically I'm Gen X, but I like to say I'm, I'm an old millennial or, or, or <laughs> an old Gen Z. Um, I, I don't think that's how we want to live. And, you know, I, I always look at the job that I found, even if I had to go to an office, I would not commute more than 30 minutes. More than that, it feels like, like it, you know, something I don't want to do. And if I can do that remotely, great. I love meeting clients. I love meeting my colleagues. But the expectation to clock in somewhere, I feel it's so backward. And if you look at the economic outcomes, right, if you have people who have professional type or technology type salaries who can afford to live outside of the bigger cities, then it brings uh, wealth in those areas and a little diversity as well, right? Because we have societies where all the rich liberal folks live in one place and then the more conservative, you know, uh, blue collar type in other place. And I know I'm simplifying, but you know, that's, no, that's no, a dynamic. No, that no, 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 absolutely. Yeah, those are those are all the not side effects, but like effects uh, that are they're happening indirectly because of this shift. So, really, remote work is is bringing and and disrupting a lot of ways how we live. Like you mentioned, rural areas will will have a second life. The workforce mm -hmm. will become more and more diverse. This is also a great opportunity for for young moms and like in general young parents to have more work options and the list goes on and on. And of course, like last but not least, remote work and the fact that it's tied to meeting the expectation of the employee that is then happier and then is then more productive, but in general has a happier life, it, it will really make an impact on the society. So there's no way back. Now we just need to make it work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Ivo, my last uh, question for you, where can we learn more about uh, your work, uh, resources, uh, any place where we can find information about you, remote how, or any other resource you want to um, suggest to our listeners? Yes, so of course, remote-how.com, uh, we have a bunch of free resources like Remote Work Audit, for instance, which is a really great starting point to assess your current setup. And of course, if you feel like chatting, I'm always available on, on LinkedIn. So connect with me, Ivo Shapar. Um, I will be more than happy to, to help. Fantastic. Well, on that note, Ivo, thank you so much for your time and your insights that you shared with us today, live from Vietnam. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. This was about future, the podcast on the future of work that happened faster than we thought. I hope you learned something valuable. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and any feedback or rating is greatly appreciated. On LinkedIn and in real life, my name is Benoit Hardivelli and I thank you for your time.